0: When you think about your own story how, how would you start it I mean I guess you know from the beginning with the family I don't know what to, I don't know what to say <laughs> like so your family right where are you from so I was born in a city called Villahermosa in the in the south of Mexico both my parents are there uh, I have two sisters uh, I have an older sister who currently lives in Mexico City and my younger sister is uh, studying her graduate studies right now.
1: And the place that you grew up—is it rural?
0: It's it—it's not. It's not like uh, where I grew up. It's a legitimate city. It's the capital of the state where you know where I was born.
1: What state is it?
0: It's called the state of Tabasco. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. No. It, it's the place I grew up. It's, it's a legitimate city. It's just like an you know kind of an underdeveloped city. The line between the city and the rural area is still pretty uh, blurry compared to, you know, I don't know, I guess, the United States or something. But uh, no, it's it's, it's a city.
1: And currently,
0: you live... Currently, I live in Oakland, California. I work at a startup in the city in San Francisco called Endless. We are trying to develop software and hardware for developing countries. I'm what they call a QA engineer. So you grew up... In Via Hermosa, Mm -hmm. and
1: now work as a QA computer software engineer
0: at Endless. Endless Mobile. Mobile. Right in San Francisco. In San Francisco. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I think that's a big jump. Yeah.
1: And now you're about to travel the world.
0: Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Is this where you'd like to be in your life, and is this what you'd like to be doing? How'd you get here, and where do you hope to go in the future? Most importantly, how are things right now, and what have you learned along the way? This is Bill Ehrlich. Is now a good time? Getting from via Hermosa mm-hmm. in southern Mexico to the Bay Area as a computer software engineer, where did technology come into your life growing up? Were you always attracted to it? Were you always good with computers? How did that happen?
0: Honestly, it's one of those things that you don't realize it's happening until it already happened. Okay. You know, I, I mean, I remember specifically, I, I think my dad himself was kind of like curious about technology. And back when, you know, laptops only had 80 megabytes of hard drive, he got a laptop. And, you know, it was like the most curious, weird thing I've seen. So I spent a lot of time touching, you know, just like clicking around. And I honestly don't remember what could you do there. I bet not much. I think they had like the paint program, you know, and as a kid, that's pretty much all you need. You know, a few years later, he got like a desktop computer after you could have like more programs there. And, yeah, before I realized it, yeah, I was, you know, poking around the system, like clicking around everything in front of me and then, you know, fucking things up a little bit and, you know, realize why, you know, where did you fuck it up? At some point, more people start coming to you for answers rather than the other way around. And I think that's, you know, when it kind of hits you like, oh, I guess I kind of like computers of kind of understand computers.
1: Do you think it's a virtuous cycle? You enjoy working with computers, but then you also enjoy that you can help people with this thing and you have more
0: knowledge and experience, and then you keep getting more and more? <laughs> we, I mean, I, I'm going to do what I call like full disclosure. That sounds awesome, but I would say no. No, honestly, I feel actually no... <laughs> It's the opposite. Yeah. Well, not the opposite. No, (laughs) I wouldn't say it's the opposite. It's definitely nice. It's definitely nice, you know, the feeling of being able to help someone. But I wouldn't say that was what drove me to, you know, play around computers or, you know, keep learning about computers. I just did it because I thought it was fun, because I thought it was cool, and because I could, right? Because I, I had access to it. So, I was able to do it. And did your... What year was it that that first computer came? Oh, man. I mean, that was... Like early '90s, I would say. Wow. Um, it was before the first Windows came up, uh, or rather, before the first uh, before Windows ninety five. I guess it would have been like '93. I want to say. Why did he get a laptop instead of a desktop at that time? I have no clue. Like I honestly, <laughs> how did he get a laptop? Instead I honestly of have no clue. I remember. I remember this though. I remember this. I remember it was a big deal. I remember it wasn't like just a toy. And it was a big deal. I remember people being conscious about how much this cost, and you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't easy to get. Like it, you know, it, it wasn't simple for us to get one, but somehow we did. That's that's as much as I remember. I don't remember like the real purpose. I I want to believe <laughs> my dad had a real utility for it. I mean, for work or something. Uh, but I, you know, I I was too young. I honestly don't remember. And then in
1: school, in high school. Did you get to work with computers or was it mostly on your own that this always
0: continued? Um, I think it was mostly my own. And, you know, you you end up like meeting one or two people that are also curious about it. So, you know, you kind of help each other to like, oh, I, I found out about this new thing. And you tell your friend who is also interested in computers and, you know, your friend who is also interested in computers tells you, oh, I found this other cool thing. Check it out. So I think I kind of like grew liking computer with a couple, you know, a handful of people that were also into it. Uh, I remember I have a kind cousin, cousin who also was into that. And then when you were thinking about going to university, did you know that you wanted to study computers? Yeah. Honestly, it was a kind of an easy choice. I was lucky, I think, in the way that, like, I, I didn't get what I hear a lot of people have of the pressure of finding something that will get you money. Like, my parents weren't like that at all. Like, I guess my dad really got into this kind of believing in yourself and, you know, follow your passions kind of thing. So since I was pretty young, he kind of encouraged me to try to find what I really like and get good at that. And he would say, like, just do that, and then the money will come on its own. But, you know, just right now, just focus on, you know, kind of finding your passion and, and then focus on getting really good at that. I mean, by the time I was getting to the university... You know, it was pretty well known that engineers made pretty good money, so I was like, oh.
1: And in university, was it computers the whole time? Were there other interests that then merged with computers? Were there competing priorities? What did that period look like as far (laughs) as your general life, but then also your interests and then thoughts about what you're going to do afterwards?
0: Huh. Not competing. Like, I think I developed other interests but not necessarily competing between themselves. Like, um, I mean, some some sports here and there. And well, there's this, there's this one kind of like you know techy thing that I that I think affected me in, in different ways. Uh, what we call open source, which is the idea that you know all you know software should be you know. Uh, I don't want to phrase it in a very specific way, but. Just the idea that, you know, people who don't have access to expensive software should have an alternative, right? And that really hit me in the idea of like, well, you know, in Mexico, everyone pirates software because it's expensive as hell, you know? And I always thought it was unfair that, you know, this company comes and charges this, a developing country the same amount of dollars knowing that we don't make that much money as the people in the developing country. So, you know, why would you charge us the same to them as them? You know, we, we make a lot less money and we need this tool to work. So when I discovered these kind of alternatives called open source, I you know, it really hit me in a more philosophical way that not just I say uh engineering way or technical way. And I think that also affected some other interests that I had outside of the tech world. like I spent some time teaching in rural areas in Mexico you know, kind of discovering these genius kids in rural areas that they just don't have the resources to, like, you know, study more or learn more.
1: Were you teaching them computers?
0: No, no, it was uh, it, it was this kind of program that anyone can sign up for. Uh, you go on the weekends to teach in, in you know, in different rural spots around the area where you live. Back then, for university, I was living in the north of Mexico. So, you know, on the weekends, you would go and teach uh, some elementary school classes. And... To be fully honest, it was half to teach them and the other half, which I think was the most important, to spend time with them and kind of not let them feel alone. Because it turns out many of these kids, like their parents work, both their parents work, they spend little time, you know, being taken care of. Many of them are malnourished and, you know, nothing against the teachers themselves, but just the education system sucks, telling you to memorize stuff. So it's just not entertaining. So I think most of our goal was to like spend some time with them, kind of you know, try to make it more interactive, more dynamic, tell them that it doesn't have to be boring and yeah, just spend time with them. It was nice. To go back
1: a little bit, with your interest in open source, right. It sounds like open source takes on an almost more important role in developing countries than In developed countries because they're still charging the same amount for the software so what could be affordable here even if it's a little expensive is totally out of the range of regular people in other countries
0: exactly right Uh, I mean think about you know what one dollar means to you here and what you can buy with one dollar here versus one you know what's the translation in whatever other country right like I mean right now in Mexico one dollar is like things are on 18 pesos mark right now and, you know, I'm not saying you can do a lot with it but definitely a lot more than what can you do what you can do here so since
1: do you think it's since normally companies can still buy the software that they sell it at what seems like a higher price in these other countries rather than thinking about what the average person right could afford for software
0: right I mean that's like a long time discussion If you ask different people they'll have different opinions my personal opinion based on what i've observed is that you know big companies don't really care because indeed like i would would assume you know i'm not not saying it's a fact i would assume microsoft make the most money out of companies who buy licenses you know Mm. it's no secret that most of the world pirates windows so you know like it's not like they're expecting suddenly that people will pay but it's more on the moral side right like i mean People try to make you feel guilty about pirating software software, but dude, you know, what (laughs) what, what's the option here? Like to work one year just to buy a piece of software? Like no. (laughs) No, I need to use it today, so I'm gonna pirate it. So open source, what are some of your
1: favorite open source software that's available?
0: Um I mean I've been using Linux uh for like, yeah, I don't know, I think over pretty much like ten years. Ten years now. And, I mean, that, that's the operating system, so it's been a while since I ever used Windows at all. And on top of it, there's like a ton of alternatives for any software you may need. Like right now, we're recording this in a software called Audacity. It happens to be open source. It happens to work on Linux, uh, things like that. But anyway, like I said, I think for me, it's more of like a moral thing. It started like a moral thing uh, more than a technical thing. And for there from there on, I just kind of just kept using it. I'm
1: glad that you mentioned that we were recording this on Audacity because <laughs> I was thinking about saying it, but you should be
0: the one to get <laughs> yeah. to share it. Sure. No, now, now I look like a jerk. Like I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I I think it's good that you're using Audacity. I love Audacity. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> I, I
1: actually was thinking to myself earlier
0: this week that... Think without, about if you had to pay for a software to do this.
1: I legitimately thought to myself, without Audacity being open source, there is probably no way... That we'd be doing this right now,
0: right, right. And then you get into a conversation of like, you know, how these, how these kind of options really free the creativity of random people, right? It doesn't has to be technical. It has nothing to do with like, you know, an OS or like coding. It has to do with you know how you unlock people's creativity and you know, power to do whatever the hell they want. So that, yeah, that's what I like. <laughs> right yeah Uh, in my college they had this one degree that I kind of ended up preferring which it was on the engineering science uh, department and it was a mix of uh, software electronics and uh, a little bit of accounting okay and I figured like oh well, you know I'm interested in all these things so that sounds great and so I learned learned a little bit of all those
1: and when you were coming out of school you had you had done some traveling in the past, right? And then you were about to do some more traveling. So can you talk a little bit, just just kind of a rundown of what travel's been in your life and then
0: coming out of school. So I mean we were talking about this a little bit ago. I don't know. There was something in me that I always liked traveling. To be fair, maybe you know it was also like my family who started it. We did a lot of road trips uh, when we were when we were kids, me and my family. So I always it was something cool to do, I guess, something fun to do. Like, you know, it was very young in me. I guess I lost the fear of traveling because we were already doing it before you. Were, before I was old enough to be scared, right? When I turned 15, uh, my dad decided that, you know, um, he... Well, we, we uh, as part of the family business, we had some cattle. You know, not a lot, but, you know, it's, it's one of the things people do where I grew up. We had a farm. And my dad had just saw like a little more than he expected to like one season and he was like hey well you know you're you're, you're turning 15 now you should do something cool but also i really want you to learn english because i think it's uh it's really important it's Gonna be really important for your future etc so would you be you know what do you think about doing like a month of english class you know in some other country and i was like oh yeah fuck yeah <laughs> that sounds awesome <laughs> So I went to Toronto for a month, one summer and yeah, you know, English classes. Uh, I mean, I, I had been in some sort of English class for years before that. So that was good to kind of like make it come together and be able to actually speak it. And, you know, living in Toronto for a month, uh, spending some time there really kind of opened my eyes to more things. Like I, I have one specific example that I, you know, I kind of get out of my head. I come from a place that is very old school, you know, very conservative and then I get to Toronto and you know, the, the principal of the school that I was attending was like a 60-year-old lady with purple hair Then <laughs> my teacher had like a an eyebrow piercing and you know, waiting for the subway there was a lady with her full hand tattooed, you know, things that, you know, right now I'm like, so what, you know, but back then I was like, wow, like what's, what's going on here? Like everyone is, doing crazy things, looking crazy, but they all seem like really good people, you know? Whereas, where I come from, you you know, the stereotype or, or the idea that you grew up with is that, you know, things related to tattoos, piercings, or things out of the ordinary, normally you frown upon or, you know, you should be careful about. And I was like, well, I don't know, these, all these people are super nice. Like, you know, freaking Canadians are always the nicest anyway. And I was like, you know, some things don't... Match here, and after that, I guess it kind of got recorded in my head or in my brain that I need to see the rest of the world. Like it's not possible that I've be, I've been living in a bubble, obviously, and I need to see what's out there. So after that, I yeah, I took every chance I could to travel, and and I yeah, that's what I did. So you taken, you had a couple of opportunities to
1: travel, basically between that and the end of college.
0: Right, right. Yeah. yeah, so after that, you know, I think that like kind of like really got imprinted in my brain that I needed to travel somehow. At some point I remembered one uncle talking about some exchange program. Uh, you know, some one of those things that clicked, like that uncle may have mentioned it once and I never thought anything of it, but you know, once it clicked, I was like, oh, I need to get in touch with this uncle. And turns out my uncle is like a super pro you know, exchange program kind of guy. Like, he thinks everyone should do it because it's, like, really good for the, you know, personal development and blah, blah, which was great because my parents hated the idea. (laughs) said, like, are you crazy traveling on your own to another country? Hell no. Like, no. But this uncle kind of, like, also helped me push the idea, kind of, like, you know, probably presenting it in a more mature way to my parents, (laughs) saying, like, hey, guys, no, you know, it's going to be good for him. He's excited about it. You should take, you know, you should take, advantage of that you know normally that that doesn't always go that way and after a few months of back and forth uh yeah you, you know they got convinced and then I applied my uncle uh you know who had helped other people you know he he's involved in the program somehow helped everything move swiftly and yeah a few months later I was uh, traveling to brazil i i moved to brazil for one year during high school so that was uh yeah that was a great experience <laughs> that was a great experience
1: which is wild, not, that, not many people do that.
0: Yeah, no, no, for sure.
1: And then you, you studied abroad in college as well, right?
0: Right, yeah, after that, you know, I, I, I came back to Mexico. I still had to finish, uh, had one more year of high school to finish. That year honestly passed so fast. Like, I think after coming back from, like, this weird alternate universe, which is, you know, like an exchange program, uh, everything else seemed kind of, like, dull, for a while, you know, that I think it's just like a normal effect. But anyway, that year passed super fast, and soon I was already heading to university in northern Mexico. And one of the first things I did when I got there was researching their exchange programs. So since, you know, since day one there, I was kind of like trying to understand what's the process to, you know, travel again. Where was it? Where was school? Oh, I, I went to Mexico. university in a city called Monterrey in, the, Monterrey, in the north of Mexico. And yeah, a few years in, in the university, I did an exchange semester to Finland, which was, yeah, that was also pretty cool. Was, was Finland on the list? Uh, or did you have to kind
1: of figure out how to get to Finland?
0: No, it, it, it just happened. Well, okay. a combination of things. First, I really wanted to travel to Germany. Like, my my, that was my first item on the list, let's say. And once I get to university, it turns out that everyone in the university wants to go to Germany because it has some of the best engineering programs and it's like a high competition to get to Germany. Oh, okay. And there were some other bureaucratic stuff at my university that I don't know, like a lot of things made it seem a little bit kind of far fetched. Uh, Regardless of that, I started learning German, but as it Time grew closer to the exchange, I, you know, I had to start thinking of like second options. One of the things I really had clear in my mind was that my year in Brazil was awesome and I loved it, but it's so similar to Mexico, like I had zero trouble adapting. Like I just got there, it took me maybe like a month to be able to start talking, Like because Portuguese and Spanish are so similar. It took me about a month to like start to get the hang of it and like four or five months in I was already speaking at no trouble. So I saw their people struggle so much, and I didn't. And I was like, huh, I, I wonder what it is to struggle when you move to another country, because I didn't struggle at all. Like, it was so easy and so nice, uh, you know, to fit in. Uh, so I really wanted to go to the most different place I could find from Mexico. Full disclosure, <laughs> back when I was in, in Brazil, the last few months I lived there, I ended up uh, dating this Finnish girl. And I just kind of ended up, you know, by curiosity, learning a lot about the, the country. And, you know, we talked about how how was life there. I spoke how was life in Mexico. And it was really curious for me how different it was. You know, like all the things that I disliked about Mexico sounded like they were, they had it figured out in Finland. Like corruption, education systems, quality of life in general. But, you know, the things that I loved about Mexico, about people being super friendly, people being like, you know, really happy all the time. They didn't have that. (laughs) People are super serious, they're super shy, and I was like, "Huh? You know, it definitely sounds like the opposite." And it just happened that you know I got a spot in uh, in the university in Helsinki, and I was like, "All right, let's do it." And indeed, no, it was it's definitely the opposite of Mexico. if There's like a parallel universe, cultural wise. I think those are it: Mexico and, and Finland.
1: That's that's great. Yeah, it was funny. the way you described it was really good as far as being like the total opposite. Yeah, but
0: I, I mean, no joke. It's <laughs> like, Latin we don't... Amer- yeah, I guess Latin America and Scandinavia are like total opposites. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you don't even need parallel universes. You can just go to Scandinavia or <laughs> Latin America. Yeah, seriously. Whichever one is the opposite. Seriously, man. And then as you were graduating, you did some more traveling. What were you thinking about? while you were coming up to graduation and getting ready to leave
0: university. Right. Well, like a year before graduation, I I got to travel once more. I found an internship in India. Oh, uh, okay. Which was great. I honestly was not expecting it, expecting it. uh, I heard from another guy in my university had done it. And, you know, I asked him about it, like, how do you apply for that? And he made it sound like too simple. He said like, oh, you know, just going to the website of the company, you apply for some of the projects, like two or three projects uh, you can choose, and you know, kind of like send your resume, and they'll call you back. And I was like, really? It sounds, Is that it? Because like, there's no like office I have to go talk to, or like, you know, like some middle person in the university. It's like, no, 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 I went completely independent of the university, just found this company, they're, you know, they like bringing people from abroad. So I gave it a shot, and yeah, and a few weeks later, they called me. Yeah, well, they emailed me saying like, when can we schedule a you know, I like got an interview. I did a couple of interviews uh, and a few weeks later, I had, you know, I have a proposal. I said like, hey, uh, so based on the times, uh, it sounds like you could come in next summer. Uh, we will need you from this day and that date. Uh, what do you think? And it was a little shocking because I was like, I still wasn't understanding what was going on. Like I had just applied online so randomly, uh, answered a few questions in the interviews. And, yeah, after that, they were buying me a ticket to fly there. Like, they paid for everything. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what's going on? (laughs) So, yeah, I I flew to India. I spent there a total of uh, almost four months. I did a project with them for a couple months and then took, like, around a month-ish to to travel. So, it was great. Yeah, after I came back, I had, like, one more year to go. And it was clear to me that I wanted to continue to travel. So, I figured the easiest place to move to let me clarify I, I not just wanted to travel i wanted to spend time living somewhere else uh, and there's a difference and there is a difference yeah like i wanted to spend some it's time a, it's a pretty big difference yeah 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 <laughs> like i didn't want to just like go travel like some tourist and seeing sites no i wanted to go to a different place in a different culture and just spend some time there which meant you know finding a job there you know like kind of settling down somewhere and with that in mind, I figured the easiest place to do it was Brazil, because I knew people there. I mean, I had lived there for a year already. I had already some contacts to start with. I spoke the language. And I don't know, I just figured, you know, it was a, a great idea. It was a super weird decision. It, it took a lot of convincing with myself and also to, you know, well, my family, like they were a little unsure about this idea.
1: This is when you're leaving college.
0: This is, yeah, yeah, the moment I graduate.
1: You're telling them I'm gonna go move to Brazil
0: yeah I mean I had kind of already floated the idea with them but I think you know some like my parents I guess they thought it was a cute idea but they never actually took it seriously until they came to my university for my graduation events right like the ceremonies and all and one night after dinner I was telling them you know like yeah I think I'm I'm thinking about these dates to to fly out and immediately hit them like wait what like are you serious? Were you being serious? <laughs> so that was, you know, that turned into a long one night conversation. But I was like, yeah, I've been telling you guys for months. They just didn't believe you. Yeah. They didn't think you were d- serious. Yeah, I thought, I, they said they thought I meant more like in the future, like, oh, it would be nice if one day I found a job in Brazil. Like, they didn't think it was like, I wanted to go to Brazil and then figure it out. So it kind of like got them a little bit uh, unexpectedly. The other thing too is, Although Brazil is still
1: Latin America, it's a very far way away. No, dude, it's, it's like not, it's really far. It's not nearby. It's,
0: it's easier to get to here from Mexico than to get to Brazil.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that's like starting to register. I'm like thinking about a map. Yeah. That is not, it's not—it's—it's not like a Latin America <laughs> thing where that's easy or
0: close. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, I mean, I, I I think by then though, like I had already, you know, lived in Brazil as a high schooler lived in Finland lived in India so by now you know they they were a little cooler with the idea you know they they were very concerned about logistics I think they had trouble understanding that I was going there without a job that I was gonna get go there to try to find a job so, but you know other than that they support they were very supportive actually you know they they were very skeptical and you know they always question like you know are you sure this is what you want are you sure this is the best idea but you know, no, not too much, and I think overall they were actually very supportive. I think they saw this is something that I needed to do. Can you say more about needing to do something? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Sometimes things, I don't know. Sometimes just get this idea in your head, and you know that if you don't go for it, you're gonna be regretful. I you say uh, you're gonna be, uh, yeah, you're gonna regret it if you don't try it. You know, it's one of those things like. By then I I was, I guess by then I already had this really clear idea in my mind that while I'm young, I, I want to fuck up. You know, like I want to take risks and fuck up. You know, like I don't, I'm not sold on this idea that I should be careful about every step I take, you know, to have the planned perfect life. Like I was very confident about having that freedom to fuck up, especially just graduating. I'm like, dude, like the next five years of my life are the, are the years to fuck up. Like, why wouldn't I try this? If I don't do this now, if I don't do this now, I'm probably going to regret it you know, down the line. I also have this really strong idea in my mind that I wanna take decisions that the future me is gonna be proud of, you know? In my idea <laughs> of what future me looks like, <laughs> I think I want to be the kind of person that will be proud of, of having taken a risk, uh, I I like the idea of future me being the kind of person that will be proud of having tried something and fucking up and just be happy about having tried it. So I mean not to say that was an easy decision. I remember when I already had the tickets in hand to go to Brazil uh, like a month before or couple of weeks before the flight, I went back to the travel agency and said, like, cancel everything. You know, like, I think it's a terrible idea. This, uh, I mean, back then, I didn't have a lot of money. I was using all the money I had and also a little borrowed, to be honest. I remember one day I was like, I'm so stupid. You know, I'm wasting all this money and that I don't feel, you know, I have earned and, you know, I'm using it for my own particular desires. You know, like, I if I'm going to waste money, I want to waste in something that's going to be useful for not just me. So I remember going to the travel agency. Travel agent is actually a friend of uh, of my dad. And um, I told him, like, yeah, cancel everything. You know, this is a terrible idea, blah, blah. And I think because we had, like, that friendly connection, he told me, like, look, man, <laughs> I can cancel it. And it's fine. Like, really, for me, it's, like, whatever. Like, I really don't care. But I can tell... You seem a little stressed about this. Why don't you, you know, think about it one more day and, you know, if you want to cancel it, it's seriously totally okay, but, you know, you just don't sound or look very sure right now. (laughs) And I was like, all right, that's fair. That's fair, you know? And
1: What a a mature adult (laughs) thing to do, seeing you come in and say, cancel it, cancel everything. Yeah, yeah. him saying, hey, just...
0: You know, yeah. Yeah, that was nice of him. I should, I should thank him. <laughs> you should thank him. <laughs> I should thank him for sure. You got to let him know. Um, and I remember that night, I didn't sleep, like, at all. Like, I'm not exaggerating. You know, I, I didn't do anything. I just, you know, went back home. I was just kind of on my computer doing research on, like, you know, things I want to do, etc. And tried to go to sleep, and I couldn't. Like, my mind was a mess. Like, my brain couldn't, you know, couldn't be shut down. And only until it was light outside... Like, I thought to myself, like, dude, you're so stressed about it, you obviously shouldn't cancel it. All these concerns you have, they are valid. But if you feel like this right now and you cancel it, like, think about how you're going to feel, you know, like in a couple of weeks, in a month, in a few years. And that's pretty much, you it, know, against what I'm saying, right? Like, it, I want to fuck up. Let, let me fuck up.
1: <laughs> it wasn't that you were unsure. It was just that you were scared.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to say it, right? Um because you know, I, I don't I don't I didn't know anyone who'd done anything like that. So, you know, I'm kind of like going on my own. You know, you read things, you you know, hear if, about things, but if
1: you canceled that trip, you might have always blamed not bl- blame might be the wrong word. You might have always said it was because of these other concerns. Right. But at the end of the day, I think it would have been
0: Because you, yourself, were scared. Of course. Of course, yeah. Uh, I remember even back then, one of the things I was most scared about was becoming bitter. So that was also like, you know, thinking about future me again. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't want to be someone who's bitter about not getting to do something. Yeah. So I think that also influenced me a lot. Like, you know, are you going to regret this? Like, future you? Like, is this really that important? Like, man you'll figure out how to pay them back like it's money they're concerned you'll figure it out we don't know yet but we'll figure it out you know as long as you promise yourself you'll figure it out it's fine but the risk of becoming bitter about not doing this it's too big and yeah that's how i <laughs> i decided to like not cancel anything and go forward <laughs>
1: What did the path look like from starting out in Brazil (laughs) to arriving now in the Bay Area?
0: Honestly, that was one of the, like 2012 was really one of the craziest years. Graduated in December 2011, made the decision to move to Brazil. I think it was late February when I moved to Brazil and spent a total of, uh, I think, three months there. Uh, The first month was like a month that I used to kind of like uh, get in touch with people I knew, uh, you know, I had like zero plans at the thing, <laughs> I had like zero official plans, I just, you know, was very, like I was just very highly mo- motivated to make it work, I actually wanted to experience having no plans, so I got there, I actually went first to the city I used to live in, which is like a small city in the Sao Paulo state, but not Sao Paulo city, uh, kind of like a more in the rural area, but it's still a city. Anyway, I, you know, visited the people I used to live with, you know, the old contacts. And thanks to that, I got a contact on where to live in Sao Paulo City, which is where I actually wanted to be at, to to look for a job. And I kind of like hit it up with this one startup. They were working in things that I was familiar with, which was really nice. So, you know, I actually, the interviews felt pretty easy to me. So I felt good about that. And we started the visa process, right? Like we talk about it like, well, you know, I'm not with a visa. I need to process the work visa and all. We started the process and, you know, they get in touch with their lawyers and all. And pretty soon their lawyers get back to me and say like, look, man, you're great. But the way that the Brazilian laws are working right now, you are most probably going to get the visa denied. So they were like, I don't know, they they were really chill about it. You know, they walked me through the details. They told me, like, if you still want to move forward, we will do it. But I do this, you know, the guy was kind of saying, I do this for a living, and I know you're most probably going to get your visa denied. So it's up to you if you want to, like, you know, go through this path. Because uh, it costs money. It costs money. You don't know, have to fly out, fly back in. And he was just kind of advising to just kind of, like, let it go. And I don't know, there was something in the way he explained it that, you know, I kind of trusted him. Everything he said made sense. There was nothing that didn't make sense. So after, have, after being there for like two months, I decided, all right, well, you know, this is not my time to be here. And I decided I would spend one more month just kind of like, you know, enjoying being, <laughs> enjoying being young in Sao Paulo and then fly back to Mexico and get my shit together. And that's exactly what I did. Back then, the violence in Mexico had exploded. One of the reasons I moved out, I was so sure I wanted to move out of my university city was because one of the cities hit hardest with the drug violence. So I knew I didn't want to go back there. Like it was, you know, it was, it was really, it, it was honestly really dangerous, that city. And I, so I knew I wanted to either go to Mexico City where most of my friends lived at. And there's the second biggest city called Guadalajara, which uh, I had visited a couple times. It's, you know, nice, chill city. I honestly didn't know a lot about it, but I had a few friends there living as well. And when it comes to tech companies, uh, there's this feeling nowadays in Mexico that that's where people are trying to set up the Mexican Silicon Valley.
1: To go back a little bit, <clears throat> you went to Brazil and it was this big thing of going there and giving it a shot, and then you came back three months later. But like you went and it just wasn't the time, and there was no harm.
0: I honestly felt very yeah. at peace. Like what? Yeah. yeah. What? Well,
1: I need to hear more Good. about yeah, no, no.
0: going, having right. all
1: of these nerves, and it sounding like leaving you were thinking i have to make this work i have to make this work
0: right um no it's funny that you ask i never thought about it that way honestly has has, i has never crossed my mind um well one different thing is that i didn't go with the mindset that i have to make this work like that wasn't my pressure my pressure was more like either i stay or i go like you know you just kind of like using people's time to go there and I, i guess a lot of like what's gonna you know I'm going to waste my own time, I should start working already, whatever, you know, start making money, if you may. That was kind of my concern. Either I do this now or I don't do it. And so when I went there and I gave it an honest shot, like I really gave it an honest shot, and I honestly think I made the best of it, I came back like very much at peace. If anything, I came very motivated to get my shit together. I was more like, all right, I'll give this a try. And, you know, a time will come now that I've been here and I see how things work. I feel I can try later being a little smarter and I will make it work. But for now, I have to go back to Mexico and, you know, start start my life there. So my first choice was like where to move to, which, you know, that's the story of uh, the city where the university was a great city. But then violence exploded and it turned into a horrible city to live in. Mexico City, I was very tempted to move there, but the quality of life on a day to day, it's not bad. I don't want to make it sound bad. Just not for me. And uh, so my next choice was Guadalajara, which, you know, I had been a couple times there. I had friends there. I had an old friend from high school that lived there, and he offered me a couch while I got my shit together, precisely. So it was great. I was like, all right, cool. I, I won't pay rent. He was cool about me not paying rent while I found what I needed to do. So, yeah, I moved there. That was, I think, April. I think I moved there in April. And a month later, I started working at the IT company. It's like one of these, it's... Um, They call it consulting IT companies. It was a big company. They have offices in many parts of the world. It's from India. They liked that I had lived lived and worked in India. They liked that a lot. So I think that helped. And anyway, I started working right away after a month there. And it was going great for a new grad with really nothing behind him. It was a a good amount of money. Uh, Rent there was pretty cheap. Uh, Life in Guadalajara was actually great. It's kind of like a very laid back kind of city. I had become really good friends with an old friend of mine. So, you know, I had kind of started building these relationships. So I was actually very happy in Lollahara. And then one day at work, uh, someone said like, hey, there's an opening for a project in California. The way it works is that people apply for it. You get interviewed and if the project takes you, you know, you would be moving to California. I honestly didn't think too much about it. It was similar to the India thing. I was like, all right, yeah, let's, you know, I wasn't expecting a lot of it, so I just kind of applied. I got interviewed a couple times. I felt the interviews hadn't gone well, uh, but because I wasn't stressed about it, I just kind of brushed it off. Uh, I had actually gotten a pretty sweet apartment in Guadalajara with my good friends, so everything was going awesome. And then one day they called me and said like, hey, you know, we're from this project, the project happening, it's in Mountain View, in California. How soon can you move here? And I was like, what? What? Like?" <laughs> Are you serious? Uh, is that it? He was like, yeah. Like, how long do you think you can, t- how long do you think it's going to take you to get a visa and, you know, pack your things and move here? Like, we need you right away. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, I really don't know. <laughs> uh, turns out it's pretty fast. <laughs> Thanks to the NAFTA agreement, Canada, U.S. and Mexico with a job offer and STEM background, you can get a visa in two days. Wow. Yeah. So, in July, I moved to Mountain View. July of... 2012. So, how long were you in Guadalajara for? Three months. It was one month uh, with my friend in his couch. Then, I was in a temporary spot for one month. And the last one I was living with my good friend. Like in the apartment, we had just gotten. And we had to, like, you know, reassign, like, change the lease, grab a new person. And, yeah, but they, he was he was super cool about it. You know, he was very happy for me, you know, having this opportunity. So, it was... Super smooth. The transition was super smooth. Because I didn't have a lot of things either, yeah. right? Like I was living off my backpack kind of like still from coming from Brazil. So the transition was super smooth, was super simple. And then I moved to Mountain View. Yeah. I lived there from July till December 2012. Yeah. I moved a little bit around it. Like first in Santa Clara, I found a spot to live in. Then in Sunnyvale and then in Mountain View. But for all terms and purposes, I was, I was down there. Um, that's how I got to the U.S. What's funny <laughs> what's funny is that after moving here not long into the job I hated it after 1 month in the job I was like you know I hope I'll get a chance to you know change departments or something soon and then 2 months in I was like man this this is not looking good like not to sound negative or anything but all my team was older indian men you know, with families and all. So their main concern was to keep was to keep their jobs. And it was reflected in their attitudes and behaviors across the board, which was frustrating for me because then, you know, during the work, like, I could think of ways to make it, one, more efficient and two, more fun. So like I would go with the people in my team and say like, hey man, shouldn't we, what if we do this this other way? You know, I think we would need to spend some time creating, kind of developing this little piece of software. It would take us a little time but, you know, it will be a challenge and it will save us a ton of time in the future, a ton. And they like immediately dismissed it. They didn't want to hear anything of that. Like they were more in the attitude, like if you want to do it, do it and bring it to us. And if it works, we may take it. But they had no interest in like, you know, trying to, you know, participate. So fast forward, like three months into the job and I was like, I'm done. I don't see a lot of opportunity to grow in the way that I want. It, it sounds like a it, it was like a good company to build I think you call it tenure. Or?
1: I think you'd say just uh... be
0: like a rear inside the company, if you may. Yeah. Okay. It was that type of company, but not to like really grow my knowledge or, or in the way that I wanted. And you know, I thought to myself, like, dude, you had this sweet life going on in Guadalajara. <laughs> you know, was living with my good friend, had like an awesome apartment, like had a ton of friends, lived close to the beach, uh, one of the greatest beaches in the country, for that matter. And now you're here where you don't know anybody. Everyone's a lot older than you and your team. And so, you know, I decided that either I find a job here that I enjoy or I move back to Mexico. Because, you know, I didn't go through all this shit to end up in a in kind of like a boring job. I want to have a job that I enjoy. So I decided that I wanted to find a job in San Francisco. You know, I had been going to San Francisco for the weekends. And you know, it looked like the place to be versus Mountain View. I had made a couple friends in San Francisco as well. And you know, they told me about how was life like there. So anyway, I made my mind that I either found a job in San Francisco, also a job that I liked, not just in the place, but also that I enjoyed, or I would move back to Mexico. So I started the process, right? Like in in the Bay Area, you fill in some forms online and then a ton of people start sending you job offers. Sadly, a lot of those have nothing to do with your background, so you have to filter a lot. But there was this one, there was this one email from a recruiter sending me it was the first time she got in contact with me and said, like, hey, I work for this, you know, recruiting thing. I found your, you know, your your resume on this website. And you know, I, I will I would be happy to work with you. Just to give you an idea, these are some of the companies that I'm working with that are looking for people. And one of them was this one company called Endless Mobile. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was something along the lines of, we are trying to change the world through technology for developing countries. That immediately, you know, caught my eye. It was like, oh, that's perfect. You know, like, I I love technology and I always wanted to, like, you know, do something for the betterment of, well, you know, in Mexico, but of course, any other developing country. So you know, I answer her back, and I told her, uh, "Yeah, you know, this sounded interesting. I would, I would be curious to know more." And she told me, "Like, oh, actually, I don't know much about it either, <laughs> but let me put you in contact with the person of their of their team, and you know, she and you guys can talk more." And yeah, you know, we set up a meeting. Uh, she called me on my phone, uh, a lady, a girl from from this startup, and it was like immediate click. I don't know, like she was just telling me the kind of people were looking about, you know, people who are passionate about, you know, these kind of ideals, people who are comfortable understanding what are the bad things that happen in developing countries. And, you know, everything she said for me was like, yeah, I totally agree. And she would say another thing. And I was like, dude, I totally agree. And, she, you know, every single thing that she mentioned they were looking for, I felt like completely I was like dude that's totally me like you know <laughs> look no further you know in my head I was thinking like I'm perfect for this job <laughs> to the point that she even mentioned something about um, oh I see that you speak uh, Portuguese uh, we have an office in Brazil where you know a lot of research goes on this is just like a an informal conversation but I was curious how would you feel I was spending some time in our offices in Rio de Janeiro <laughs> and I was like what I would definitely go. I would definitely definitely come in. I'm so in. Yes, please. Yes. And I was li- kind of literally like this. So we both started laughing on the phone. Uh, so I don't know. It was it was a great first conversation. After that, you know, I spoke with other people on the phone. I got called in to, you know, some interviews. I remember the last interview I was speaking with the CEO. You know, back then. I think there were only, like, less than 10 people in the office. So, like, when I say the CEO, I mean Matt. It's a dude. It was just another dude there. So I speak with Matt, and I think he wasn't sure. I think he was still building his team, and he wasn't clear on how could I help at this point in time in his company. Or, I mean, I think that's the idea he tried to express to me. So I I left the interview a little bit, you know, kind of, like, feeling down because I was thinking, like, damn, you know, this... company seemed like we were perfect for each other but you know like I can see that maybe he's looking for something else right now and a couple days later they called me and they offered me a job and part of the deal was that I would spend the first three months living in Rio de Janeiro (laughs) what
1: what in your mind is it in the universe or the world that makes those sort of things happen
0: honestly uh I think that first idea of of, you know, being willing to fuck up. Right. Like when I was first starting, when I was saying like, you know what, this may not make sense, quote unquote, but I think it's, I feel is the thing that I want to do. I think many people let those feelings go and try to push them down. But I think that is what actually makes those it, things happen. It's like since you were able to make the hard
1: decision, even though you were scared and it didn't work out that first time, it gave it
0: to you later yeah honestly (laughs) how else could you explain it i mean coincidence i guess but no like there was something else here because this is too much coincidence right because you know i i went there i went back to mexico decided to leave mexico as well for this other chance got a job in mountain view you know any other person may have just said like i'll suck it up and work here and i also decided to let that go and then i got this chance to now go back to brazil and do exactly what i wanted to do yeah no that was that was great that was that was like a good year of my life uh, started right there i mean it started all 2012 and 2013 i felt were like you know on the top 100% of the time because i was always doing something new like for a full year during 2012 i was in a completely different environment every other month And 2013 was kind of similar but yeah 2012 was crazy (laughs) that was that was crazy and that's how i anyway that's how i got to work at endless mobile and now, fast forward a couple of years, you've been working there
1: for almost three years? More than three years. More than three years. Yeah. And now you're preparing to travel again, yeah. this time, one-way ticket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you described that situation where you were making the decision to travel to Brazil right after college. What was going through your mind? What was the process of deciding to, again, go traveling right now?
0: It's a couple of things. It's very different. It's very different what made me travel there than what is making me travel right now. But definitely both are based on, I think, on myself wanting to travel, right? Like, I mean, it seems something natural in me. Like, but there's certain, I, there's certain things that happen that definitely push me over the edge to actually do it. This traveling, like this trip that I'm planning, I decided I wanted to do it last year. It just just been taking a while to, like, you know, come to to actually go ahead and do it. But the decision, like, I made the full conscious decision last year. Last year, I took a couple of weeks to, of vacation time and went to India uh, again. And while I was there, uh, I got a, you know, when you're traveling, you, I like to say, when you're traveling, you step outside your comfort zone. And more important than that, you become more objective because you step outside your regular life. Is your regular life kind of influences the way you think. You know, like, uh, you know, what people may think, what you may think of yourself, what you want to do right now, versus when you're traveling and you step outside the day to day, I think your mind becomes more objective. You can actually think about things without all the concerns you may have. And while I was there, it hit me, you know, one day I was just sipping some masala chai or whatever, and... I guess I was thinking of I, I don't know what I was thinking, honestly. I it just hit me. It was just like a lightning. It was just like a lightning that, you know, arrived in my brain one day that said like, dude, it's time that you travel again. It's so obvious. And I just kind of like raised my head, opened my eyes wide, and I was like, Oh my god, this is so obvious. I need to be on the road again. Like I mean, I, I felt a little stuck, I guess. I felt a little, you know, like wanting to be surprised again, I guess. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I, I wanted to be surprised again in a way that only happens when I'm traveling. And yeah, now a couple months from now, I'll have a one-way ticket to just move around the world.
1: What do you hope to get out of the trip? Not to say that you have something necessarily, but what does your future self think about this trip?
0: Oh, my future self is excited. It's awesome, man. Like, I mean...
1: But, but not just your future self that's taking the trip. Right. Your future self 30 years down the road.
0: No, I mean, I, I that's what I'm talking oh, about. Okay. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I mean, I'm very excited of being 30 years into the future and looking back and saying, like, fuck yeah, that was a good call. Because, you know, when else are you going to do this, right? Like, I mean, leave aside all the reasons why you're doing it. Leave aside all all, you know, what you expect to get from it if you ever get anything out of it. Just the fact that you can step outside of regular life in a indefinite amount of time to do what you want to do, which in my case is traveling. For some people, might be something else. And you know, accepting the fact you know that I won't have an income, accepting the fact that you know I I won't see my friends, accepting the fact that you know I'm gonna be hard to reach for my family. It, it's scary, but I've done it to some degree before, and. It was awesome. I don't know. Like, I I feel very proud of it. I, I can only think of future me 30 years from now, looking back and thinking this is the, that was the perfect time to do it. You know, before anything else comes into your life, you know, be it family or, you know, whatever else you can think of right now is the best time to do it. You know, like all these concerns you have, if you put them in perspective, like, dude, you're a single guy with, you know, nothing tying you to this place why wouldn't you do it now? (laughs) Uh, So no, I'm very, my future is very comfortable with this decision and it's part of why I feel very confident about doing this.
1: If you were to give advice to other people who might be thinking about traveling or doing something that's scary, what would your advice be? Yeah. Yeah. You know, just a piece of advice for either your younger self or someone who might be Kind of feeling that sense of i I maybe really need to do this,
0: I think they should go for it <laughs> i I mean short like you know long story short, go for it why why not? And you know, if you really wanna spend some time in your in your consciousness talking you know thinking about it, think about this like would you be more scared would you regret the most not doing it? And everything else in your life went just okay or would you prefer to go for it maybe fail but have that you know have that peace in your heart that you went for it and you tried it in my head it's an obvious decision yeah in, inside of me it's, it's pretty clear like I, I will always prefer to give it a shot than to stay in the comfort zone. I mean at least up until now, that's what I've done. It's worked pretty okay.
1: And for for my final question, he's done a lot of different things. If you could title your autobiography, what would the title be?
0: <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I don't <laughs> that would take me a while. <laughs> that that would take me a while to figure out. Um, yeah, no, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. Not nothing. Give me give me a week. <laughs> give me a week and I'll uh, come up with something. So many things, you know.
1: <laughs> I have three options for you. All right. That would take me a while. <laughs> Option number one. I like it. Give me a week. <laughs> give me a week. I think the third is going to be the winner. All right.
0: So many things. <laughs> so many things. Yeah, yeah. So many things. Yeah, don't even know where to begin. <laughs> I like that. I would use that for sure. So many things. So many things is good. So many things. I like it. I like it. Keep it simple.
1: Well, Joel, thank you so much yeah. for sharing uh, your past experience, <laughs> your wisdom, your the difficult decisions you've made, and the serendipitous way that even when it seemed like they weren't working out at the time, it came back into your life in a way that was probably better than initially
0: honestly like there's no way to compare I think that's what also what makes me feel a lot of peace not that I'm expecting things to like automatically and magically you know become better just for the sake of traveling, but why not you know like uh true to yourself to your passion and I think things will come into place
1: thank you so much for listening I've been speaking with Joel Gillione on Is is now a good time a tu pasado